In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, are you a little worn out after the holidays? Perhaps you feel as if you're sitting in the dark and you're just waiting for somebody to turn the light on. And the lights just went down and now you've got to stay awake. Are you troubled? We, we've just concluded the 12 days of Christmas. And today is Epiphany. Today, the proverbial light bulb on top of your head should be burning brightly. You should be ecstatic to come into the house of the Lord this day and receive His gifts. For 12 days, you have eaten quite well. You have given and exchanged wonderful gifts. You have seen and been with loved ones and friends and perhaps... You even have taken a much-needed break from work or school. But the way of a Christian is not so simple, is it? It's not a matter of being ecstatic all the time, because the devil, the world, and your sinful nature would rather turn you, or I should say, leave you with your original nature. You our theologian of glory. A theologian of glory is someone who defines their very well-being based on how well things are going. Balanced budgets, good health, happiness, contentment. When things are going right, everything's good, right? Or as we say in my house, if mama ain't happy, Nobody happy. But your Lord has other plans for you and me, theologians of glory. He desires instead that we become theologians of the cross. That we become astutely aware of suffering and difficulty. That we would recognize that, even embrace it believing that what the Lord allows to take place or perhaps even sends our way will yet be for our good. The Lord desires that you and I would be rescued from this soulless search for glory and that we instead would place our simple faith, our simple childlike faith, and our simple life into His capable hands. All of this, of course, your life and mine, is according to his time and his schedule, because faith trusts and believes this. And today in our gospel text, if you're still awake, we hear of some very troubled people. And they shouldn't be. They should be ecstatic. They should be abounding with joy. They should recognize the light bulb that was turned on for them. <laughs> and it all happened in the Epiphany story before us today. Epiphany, which by the way means revelation, that which is revealed, or in my simple parlance to you today, a light bulb that gets turned on. Let's listen to the text, shall we? Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now these wise men are magi. 
It's an ancient term for magicians, which really means that they were scientists, astronomers, advisors, and sometimes even kings. They came from the east, which means Babylon. This shouldn't surprise you if you remember the account of Daniel. Remember that guy from the Old Testament Sunday school lessons? The guy who survived the lion's den? Daniel was a faithful believer. He was a wise man who was kidnapped in Jerusalem and made a captive, along with many other learned and skilled folks during the Babylonian captivity. Long story short, Daniel ends up becoming the head of the Magi in Babylon. So, we know from this that these wise men would most likely have been familiar with sacred scripture and prophecy regarding the coming of the Messiah. Perhaps they even were familiar with the concept of a virgin birth, or at least from our Old Testament text from Isaiah today, the brightness of his rising. But regardless, they were Gentiles, they were not Jews. They served and or ruled in the east. But then, for them, something amazing happened. Something stupendous, miraculous. A star. A star appeared only to them. Not like any other star that you or I might see in the night sky. This star appeared for them. This shouldn't surprise you either because Scripture says, after all, that God desires all, A-L-L, to be saved, right? And to come to knowledge of the truth. Even foreigners? (laughs) Yeah. Those of different skin color? Yes. Those from different religions, creeds, and races? As my northern relatives like to say, you betcha. And so they believe. They believed that the Christ child had been born, and they made a journey to the promised land, or I should say the land of the promise, where the sacred texts were still held, and where worship of this same God took place, Jerusalem. No mention is made at this point, by the way, of the star actually guiding them to Jerusalem. I would submit to you it was their faith and belief in God's word that led them, led them to the location of the temple where God had been meeting with his people for some time. Knock, knock, they went there on the door. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now you would imagine at such great news Think of how you felt when somebody has told you something amazing and miraculous and good has happened and you just, you just want to hug them and shout with them and jump for joy with them and you're just so glad. I mean, this is good news, right? The Messiah that's been prophesied for so long. The stories told to the children, the reenactment of the sacrifices in the temple on a daily basis, not just the Day of Atonement, all of this pointing forward to the Messiah arriving. But sadly and sinfully, no. They didn't act that way in Jerusalem, did they? Because they're like you and me. 
The theologians of glory who base our well-being, our happiness, our contentment on things physical, really. On what we can only see, taste, and touch. Listen to how King Herod, king of the Jews, responded to the stupendously miraculous and amazing visit of well-known and respected wise men from Babylon. Are you ready? He was troubled. Did you catch that? No glory, glory, hallelujah. I mean, he didn't do anything. He was troubled. Now, wait a minute. What about everyone else in Jerusalem? (laughs) Oh, the evangelist records that for us as well. Would you like to hear how everybody else responded to this wise man? Surely there is someone in Jerusalem who not only remembered the promise, but now heard this good news that the Messiah had been born that would, you know, put on little hats like you did at New Year's, maybe toast, have some wine and cheese, I don't know, something. Well, let's hear what happens to them, what they do. Are you ready? And all Jerusalem with him was troubled. <laughs> Seriously? The Savior of the world, God in the flesh made manifest, has now been born, and they're all grumpy and troubled about it. Probably like how you feel some Sundays coming here, maybe going back to school tomorrow or work. Ah. But you see, that's what theologians of glory do. Herod was probably more worried about losing his kingship, his summer castle, his money, and his title. He was also probably worried about what the Romans would do. All of Jerusalem was troubled because they had barely survived decades of oppression, not just from the Romans, but also from Herod. And as your grandpa probably told you, don't stir dry dog poop, right? Leave it alone. Things are peaceful now. Or at least we've come to terms with what's going on in our life We don't need more difficulty. We don't need more problems. Let's just sweep it under the rug. Hide it under the bed. Forget about it. But perhaps to them, to you, and to me, theologians of glory, the words of Jesus are ringing in our ears. Take up your cross, he said, and follow me. I did not come to bring peace, he said, but a sword. Oh, that's hard work, Jesus. Doing the right thing, that's that's hard. Dealing with darkness, whether it's depression or bad things that happen, or just hard work, that's that's just too difficult. Which is what makes doing the wrong thing so easy. Herod is so troubled, probably jealous and wanting to know more of this threat. He, after all, hadn't seen the star. But he also wants to keep up appearances and good graces with the wise men from Babylon, you know, right? He's dealing with the deficit and and he wants to continue to trade and all that stuff that our politicians and some of you might deal with. And so he puts on a show. Herod assembles all the chief priests and scribes of the people, we're told, And he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He probably already knew. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now pay attention. Because for Herod, the Bible is God's word. I would say he believes that, but he doesn't really care. Herod is all about himself. Herod is a sham, a fake, a phony, and he knows it. Herod is not of the house of Judah. He's not even of Jewish descent. Herod is only the king of the Jews because the Romans made him such. Of course, Herod is troubled. How about the priests and scribes? They knew and taught God's word, correct, almost every day. But what do you not hear of any of them doing in this story for today? They fail to come and worship the newborn king. It's like someone who says, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been to church in a long, long time. They don't care to receive his gifts of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. So Herod arranges a secret meeting, sending the wise men to Bethlehem as his covert spies. And the wise men depart. It's roughly a two-hour walk, most likely on a well-traveled road. But this again in the story is where we see that the wise men are different from Herod, the priests, and the scribes. For those who believe, things are always a little differently a little different. Listen closely to the text. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose now went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Did you catch that? The star appeared again, and not only that, it it literally moved. It moved and led and guided them until it was right there on top of the house, of the guest room, the inn, which is why we still have our creche set up today. There, they saw baby Jesus. You may or may not have grown up in the church. You may or may not even now come every Sunday But all of us here are in the same boat as Harold and all of Jerusalem, troubled in some way, shape, or form, living, sitting in the darkness. And all of us as well are sinners, theologians of glory. But the light comes. The light shines to show us our sin and reveal Christ, who is the light of the world, The light we carried into this very sanctuary on Christmas Eve, that light has come now, and boy, do we need it, don't we? For darkness covers the earth, thick darkness covers you, but the Lord has risen upon you. Light bulb moment, you, covered with His transfiguring love and forgiveness in the waters of your baptism, which, by the way, you notice we've kind of kept in the center. Pastor Grady and I were kind of talking about this, and 
we want you to remember your baptism daily because it's not that I was baptized, I am baptized. So you'll see it here. You live in it daily. God's grace and mercy covers you. And every Lord's Day, every divine service, His body and blood and simple bread and wine feeds us. You want to know where the light still is today? In His means of grace. The light still shines for you. It's the same reason now that we not only worship the way we do, but the way we talk about this simple faith. Because the wise men, after the star had led them there to the manger, they fell down. They fell down and worshipped Him. It's the same reason that we might bow, kneel, or make the sign of the cross. It's the same reason you might see me kneel after the consecration and the sacrament of the altar, at least as long as my knees will allow it. Because Christ is here. Christ has come for you. And so this day, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, repent with me. Repent with me of our troubling moods and actions. Join with me, would you, in worshiping this newborn King and receive with me His gifts of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And as we have done all that and continue to do that, would you also serve with me using our vocations, our time, our talents, our treasures, not for him who has cattle on a thousand hills, but rather for our neighbor who has need. Would we, could we follow this star, this light of the world Jesus as the wise men did, believing and trusting God's gracious provision and care? Dear Advent Lutheran Church, as we embark now on a new year, This is the grace that has been given to us to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness, light bulb, and access, light bulb, with confidence through our faith in Him. His gifts for you, boldness, access, and confidence, and simple faith and trust of light of the world, Jesus, that's come for you. In the name of Jesus. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.